Judges, chapter 4, you will see why Dan gave this reading to his wife. Again the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, now that Ehud was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Harasheth, Hagoyim. Because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried to the Lord for help. Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lepidoth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the river Kishon, and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, If you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly, I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you are taking, the honour will not be yours. For the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. There Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 men went up under his command. Deborah also went up with him. Now Heber, the Kenite, had left the other Kenites, the descendants of Hobab, Moses' brother-in-law, and pitched his tent by the great tree in Zanamin, near Kadesh. When they told Sisera that Barak, son of Benoim, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera summoned from Harasheth Hagoyim to the river Kishon all his men and his 900 chariots fitted with iron. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go! This is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Harasheth Kagoyim and all Sisera's troops fell by the sword. Not a man was left. Sisera, meanwhile, fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, because there was an alliance between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the family of Heber the Kenite. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, my lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. So he, went, so he entered her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. I'm thirsty, he said. Please give me some water. She opened a skin of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him up. Stand in the doorway of the tent, he told her. If someone comes and asks you, is anyone there? Say no. But Jael, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the the peg through his temple into the ground, and he died. Just then Barak came by in pursuit of Sisera and Jael went out to meet him. Come, she said, and I will show you the man you're looking for. 
So he went in with her, and there lay Sisera with the tent peg through his temple, dead. On that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, before the Israelites, and the hand of the Israelites pressed harder and harder against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they destroyed him. names there. What's the date today? Remember, remember. The 5th of November. And what do we remember? We remember Guy Fawkes. Who enjoyed when they were a child building like or making an effigy of Guy Fawkes and throwing him on a bonfire? Did you have you heard the story of how he was tortured? They wanted to hang, draw and quarter him, but they didn't get that far because he was, I think he'd already died by then or something. If you look at the signatures that Guy Fawkes gave put on his confession, the first one looks like a normal signature. But as the signatures go on through the days and days of torture that he went through or the period of torture he went through, they go shakier and shakier. And his final confession is just an X because he couldn't write his name anymore. And we celebrate that. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? We were up in York a couple of years ago. We went to the chapel of someone called Margaret Clitheroe. And my mum always used to suggest that there was a family connection with Margaret Clitheroe. Margaret Clitheroe um, was someone who was martyred. What they did to her was they stripped her, they lay her on the ground, they put a rock under her back, put a door on top of her, and they piled a whole bunch of rocks on top of her until her back broke. And then she died within 15 minutes, but then they left the body there for a few hours, as an example, I guess. What was her crime? Harboring Catholic priests. You know, we can look at other parts of the world and be appalled at the violence and the war, but we forget our own bloody history in this country. And we can be horrified by news reports, but we get to switch the news off. But lots of part of the world today don't get to switch the news off because they live in it and they see a lot more than we see in the headlines. We might be appalled to read some parts of the Bible. And this chapter is from the book of Judges. And if you read Judges, it's not for the faint-hearted or the squeamish. We're told here that Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord again. There was kind of a, a cycle that went on through the book of Judges. God's people turned away from him. They forgot his laws and disobeyed. And so then what happened is they got handed into the hands of an enemy and were oppressed for several years. And then they cried out to the Lord and God sent them a leader to deliver them. And throughout the book of Judges, it goes on and on like this. But it just gets worse and worse as it goes on. Book, this is chapter 4. It gets worse from here on in. <laughs> they did evil in the eyes of the Lord now that Ehud was dead. Ehud, in the previous chapter, if you read about him, he killed the king of Moab in very gruesome fashion. And I won't repeat it now, but you can read it. 
And so what happened? The Lord sold them into the hands of their enemies, the Canaanites. You know, we think that God's judgment is God pointing the finger and God enjoying judging. Some people have that image of God, but it's just not true. And yet there has to be a consequence for sin. God doesn't just say, oh, well, never mind. Let it carry on as ever. When you were at school and you did something wrong, there had to be a consequence, didn't there? Did anyone ever go to detention at school? Yeah, no, not in your head, Dave. I did as well. The other day I transgressed. I drove inadvertently in a bus lane. I didn't, couldn't, just didn't know where I was going and before I knew it, there I was. And guess what happened? I got a fine. Yeah, so I didn't hear that. I got a fine. I transgressed and therefore I have to pay. Now that's the way it works. When we sin, it comes back to us. We do pay the price for it. And, and we know that that's right. Because if there were no laws and whatnot, well, it would be like the Wild West. Well, it was like the Wild West in the Book of Judges. People did what they fancied. They, everyone did as they saw fit in their own eyes. But from time to time, God would raise up a judge. Now, God was going to raise up a judge. We'll talk about that person in a minute. But before that, let's just say that they were oppressed for many years. And they were oppressed by this guy, Sisera. Now, Sisera, Sisera can you just say, boo hiss. Sisera, boo hiss. He was a bad guy. He was, you know, he was like, you know, he was, he was not a nice person. And he had 900 chariots fitted with iron. He had that... The leading technology in his weaponry of the day. And he cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. He was not a nice man. So what did they do? They cried to the Lord for help. And God sent them a woman. Now, throughout history, women have been treated. Second-class citizens. They've been treated as the, 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 the property of men. So often women have been overlooked. And yet what I love about this passage is that without any explanation or justification, the leader of the land is a woman. In this ancient barbaric world, we meet Deborah. Now Deborah, the word Deborah means bee. We have a couple of Deborahs in this church. We have more than a couple. This Deborah had a sting in her tail. And she was strong. And she's a prophet. Now, are you a prophet? We have prophetic women in this church. Is God calling you to rise up? She's a strong woman. We need strong women. A lot of the time men are threatened by strong women. 
Wonder Woman. Who said that? Wonder Woman. You like Wonder Woman? Okay. Let's not say that, please. Yeah. Don't do that. Joking apart, we need strong women. This world would be a better world if we had strong women rising up. More strong women. Many men are threatened, but we need strong women like Deborah. She is called by God. She's a prophet of God, and she speaks out the words of God. She's holding court under the palm of Deborah, tree named after her, in the land, and people come up to her to have their disputes decided. God has given her wisdom, and she decides uh, between their issues, just like Moses did. And of course, Deborah was fully aware of the oppression uh, of her own people. And then, led by God, she calls for this person, Barak, and says to Barak, God is commanding you, Barak. There is a word, a prophetic word on you. And this word is to go. And God says, I will give Sisera into your hands. Now is the time for victory. Barak, you're going to go and God is going to lead the way for you. What a powerful prophetic woman this is. What a power prophetic word, powerful prophetic word she has. Now, Barak's name, Deborah's name means B. Barak's name means lightning bolt. But get what he says. He says, well, I will go if you go with me. But if you're not coming with me, I won't go. This was his moment. This was his chance to shine. And lead the people into victory. And he said, well, I'll, I'll go if you come with me, Deborah. But I'm not going without you. <laughs> lightning bolt. If he's the lightning bolt, Deborah's the one telling him where to strike. Now, maybe you're feeling like a barrack sometimes. When it comes to it and you're called to step up, you're a bit hesitant. Yeah, not sure. I want you to take heart if you're a barrack because in Hebrews chapter 11, which talks about this great cloud of witnesses, guess who's named? It's barrack. Go figure. There are others in that list who are also named, and you might think, go figure. Samson, he was far from perfect, but he's still named. If you're a Barak, and you're perhaps a bit hesitant, and you sometimes not done as well as you could have done, take heart, because you're still part of the great cloud of witnesses. You can still testify to God's goodness and his faithfulness. You can still live by faith. I know there's times when I've been a bit of a barrack. When I've felt, instead of feeling really brave, I felt quite cowardly at times. I haven't always stepped up. I've been hesitant. I've got there in the end, but it's sometimes taken me a while. Take heart. But by implication, or Hebrews names barrack, but by implication, Deborah is also included as well. Certainly I will go with you, but because... You bottled it, basically. The honour won't be yours, Barak. The Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of 
a woman. Now, how humiliating in a male-dominated society that would have been for Barak. Again, a prophetic word from a prophetic woman. Are you a prophetic woman? Have you been holding back? Is God causing you to rise up? Now, you don't have to be loud to be strong. Some people are, some people aren't. But we need strong women. So what happens? Deborah accompanies him, and off he goes. And uh, the battle starts, and uh, then Deborah says to Barak, now's the time, go. This is the day. The Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? I wonder, have you got a situation in your life where you need to be a bit brave? You need to grasp the nettle. Could be something trivial, but you need to just get on with it. You know you've got to do it. It's just, you know it's there, it, but you're putting that off. Today's the day. Grasp the nettle, but be encouraged by this. The Lord goes before you. God is going ahead of us. Wherever we go out in faith, God goes ahead of us. When we've got to say something that's truthful but maybe difficult, God goes ahead of us. Maybe we've been bottling it for too long. God is going ahead of us. Barak had bottled it, but he's not disqualified. He ends up in second place, but he still plays his part. And off he goes, down Mount Tabor, 10,000 men following him. And sure enough, they rout, uh, the Lord routes Sisera and all the army and the chariots, these wonderful chariots reinforced with iron. God does the battle for them. And then we're told that Sisera gets down from his chariot and flees on foot. He's now vulnerable. And off he goes, and Barak pursues them all, and, and not a man was left. And then Sisera runs away, this once powerful man, this terrifying, scary man who for 20 years cruelly oppressed the Israelites. He's running. And he takes refuge in the, the tent of Jael. And Jael's the wife of Heba. Do you know Sam Moore's dad is called Heba? Not related, but just a name. Takes refuge in Jael's tent. And Jael says, oh, come on in, you're very welcome. Come on in, my Lord. I'm thirsty, I'm utterly exhausted. Give me a drink. Not just water, he gets milk. Stand in the doorway, protect me, and then he falls asleep. And then, do you like this bit? Jael picks up a tent peg, drives it through his skull and kills him. Big, scary leader of the army. And this woman picks up the tent peg and murders him. And Barak comes in in second place. And there he is. Here's the man you're looking for, Jael says. 
He's lying dead. Now, do you like this? No, you don't. <laughs> it's bloodthirsty, isn't it? It's gruesome. And it does raise up questions for us, doesn't it? Because we think, surely, our God is a God of peace. And what's this all about? Have you struggled reading the, these stories? We think, how, how can God be involved in this? But the thing is, God's involved in our lives. And they are messy too. Our lives aren't perfect. And yet God still gets involved with us. We may not like it. We may recoil at the violence. But the reality of it is that after this, Deborah sings this prophetic song. The whole of chapter 5 is Deborah's prophetic song. And then right at the end of the chapter it says, the land then had peace for 40 years. There was peace in the land. This was kill or be killed territory. It was dog eat dog. It was messy. It was the Wild West. And God had not vacated. Because God gets his hands dirty. At the front line in Ukraine, God is still there, not because he approves of violence, but because he doesn't walk away. The obedience to the prophetic word of the Lord and the tent peg driven through the man's skull, whether we like it or not, brought peace to the land for 40 years. Jesus' obedience to the prophetic word upon him and the nails driven through his hand and his feet has brought peace forever to those who want to receive it. See, God gets involved ultimately by taking the violence upon himself. God stepped in. God knows every situation, every single life, and the value of it, whether it's in Israel, Gaza, Ukraine, Russia. And God is involved in our messy lives too. The Bible isn't squeamish. We might be. Let's not forget, we only live in relative peace in this world. We'll remember it next week because of millions who died. Some of us are pacifists, some of us might believe in a just war theory. Not time to discuss that right now, but I want to say that God is involved in this messy world. I do think it would be better if some more stronger women were allowed to rise up. <laughs> Lord, as we think of your sacrifice, as we have done this morning, as we think of how you shed your blood, we stand on holy ground.
as we think how you've taken the war and the violence on you. We're filled with awe. I want to thank you that you are God. You are God in times of peace and in times of war. You are God in those times where we think we understand what's going on and those times when we don't. You're on the throne. And today we give ourselves to you, we cry out to you. Lord, have mercy. twice already today. May your will be done. May your kingdom come on earth as in heaven. Amen. Just give me a second.